Welcome back to Round Guy, Season 2, Episode 2. We're on the phone with filmmaker Dick DeAngelis of Fairfield, Iowa, who's going to tell us about some of the movies and uh, history uh, programming that he's produced. Go ahead, Dick. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, we, we've uh, enjoyed your, your podcast, so uh, really appreciate you uh, putting me on today, and uh, I'm great to great to talk to people about this this is kind of my passion you know this is what i do this is this is uh what i'm spending my whole day doing probably about eight ten hours even a day um just focused on bringing the history of this southeast iowa area in particular fairfield but but all around fairfield because my history doesn't really sometimes know a particular boundary of a town or a Place. Well, so, why uh, don't you explain to our listeners why Southeast Iowa seems to be overlooked by uh, history? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good question. You know, Dave, we're we're really uh, focused on this area. Of course, this is my uh, hometown, and so on. I've been here forty plus years, and I uh, have my uh, five kids. My wife and I are here, and uh, this is kind of you know what I want to know more about. But you know, when I started getting into it and started working with the state historians, the state archaeologists all the people that really know the ins and outs of, of history, the latest thinking, the latest research, so get some real answers. I started noticing a really interesting and somewhat disturbing, uh, disturbing trend, and that is there's a lot more known about, uh, and this is, might seem obvious to people sometimes, <laughs> unkept and obvious, right? So uh, Des Moines and Iowa City get a lot of attention. They get a lot of research dollars. They have, you know, major universities there, and therefore that whole corridor gets a lot of attention. So when you start researching something, you go, why isn't there a lot known about this area? You know, especially when you do research into the 1700s, 1800s, and, and, and before that, you start realizing that this particular area, this was the, you know, the capital of the universe, so to speak, you know, in, in, in and around the Civil War, this is where kind of Iowa stopped, if you will, for a while. In the 1850s, you know, the first Iowa State Fair was in Fairfield, Iowa. You know, the uh, and uh, if you look at where the Capitol was, right above Fairfield, up in Iowa City, that, that line kind of extended north-south, and it stopped around there. If you look at maps from that time, it says basically Indian country to, to the west of Fairfield. Sometimes they go into Otomo, but sometimes they didn't get that far. Eight miles west of Fairfield was um, what they called um, agency, Indian agency. Now it's called Agency Iowa. That's kind of where the, 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 the known world stopped. So when let's say you're doing something like we did in our second film. We studied deeply about the uh, Underground Railroad. Well, later on, the Underground Railroad, as we started to approach the Civil War times and so on, extended further. But early on, the only place that that uh, freedom seekers, runaway slaves would go, they would go through that corner of um, uh, of Iowa that that was populated already with Europeans, right? And they didn't really want to go into Indian country because they didn't know what was there. Could be very friendly people, could be not. So they went where there were people. And so that meant they either went to Quaker areas um, like Salem, Iowa, 
uh, was a very well-known, but they also went to places where it was kind of a mixed uh, bag and therefore had to be fairly secretive because some people were pro-slavery and some against. Well, when you've got that kind of situation, the, 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 the knowledge isn't as available as it normally is, right? Following me here, you know, think about this. The United States is extremely divided. South of Iowa is Missouri, and it's a slave state. 30 miles from Fairfield, it's slave territory. People's cousins, people's uncles, and so on, had slaves in, in Missouri. So they were kind of like, ah, well... I don't, we're not a slave state, but, but I, you know, I got friends, etc. Very mixed bag, if you will. Forget what you, you know, uh, what history has shown is kind of uh, the situation and what a- ended up happening. Just think of it as that, that time. You, you needed your neighbor to live. And therefore, it wasn't obvious, is my point. So when we go back in history and we try to figure out who did what, who helped who, and so on. The research has to be very deep and entailed. And the people didn't do that research in this area because the research dollars weren't there. So we've taken the time and the advantage of technology and looking through every newspaper from all around, not only now, but a while before now. So we can be able to say, okay, Look at this. 25 years later, they had a reunion of people who helped people uh, get through this area. And though sometimes it was, a, it was a child of somebody or somebody else. And all of a sudden you go, oh, this is, these were the people connected. Or you look at Quaker meeting records and so on. We do all that exhaustive research. And that's how we do what we do. The difference is a lot of people do that and then write a book. It's I have a friend who wrote a book uh, about that era, um, that area, for example. It's over 800 pages. It's Who's Who in Anti-Slavery and Underground Railroad Networks of Fairfield, Iowa by Rory Goff. Now, Rory's one of our historic researchers. You can write a book and you can put the information in there. But what we do is we take all the information and now we're going to do a film about it. So now you have to do interviews with people who know what they're talking about. You have to get pictures. Sometimes we do depictions where we actually do uh, a recreation of what what would have gone on here. Really quite a lot of fun, but also an amazing amount of time and energy. If people want to know, like, well, I've never heard of this. I don't know where it is. If you go to FairfieldHistorySeries.com, you can actually see the, the links to all of the trailers of the films that we do. And, and you can even download the films. Cost you three bucks, but uh, it's worth it. Or you can order a DVD if you don't want to uh, watch a film online. And I got to tell you, um, we've, we've gotten an unbelievable response from people who are really interested in their local history. I know that was a long answer, but did that help? <laughs> it did help. Oh, so, uh, what are the names of, give us a name of a couple of your. Of okay. Your... So, the, well, yeah. So we've done three films and we're just going to come out with a fourth in a few months. And we've already started producing the fifth. We're going to do a total of eight of them. So the first film was called life before Fairfield. It took all of what is known about this area. And when I say Fairfield, we use it as kind of a, a rallying point, but the reality is this was more about Iowa. 
southeast Iowa in particular. And we go all the way back. In this case, we went back 450 million years ago when this land that I'm sitting on right now was actually on the equator, okay? And it was underwater, about seven or eight feet underwater. And the big, biggest beast that was running things then was what's known as a Eurypterid, which is like a sea scorpion about six to seven feet in length. Now, we've actually got proof of what was there and where it was. And we show people, I took a, the, the latest thinker in this, a guy who I met online who has a depiction of how the, there was one continent, what they call Pangaea at the time, and it, it, it separates, and that became the seven continents today that it is today. And how Fairfield or, or Southeast Iowa actually moves up into its current location from where it was on the equator. I have farmers who came to that meeting, uh, to that film. We showed it at the Sondheim Theater in, in Fairfield when it debuted for free. We show them all for free when they first come out, just so people can, any, nobody has to want, if they want to donate something, they can, but we, we're a nonprofit. We get all our money to build these films from donations and grants. And we show this film, and the guy who was running the Sondheim at the time said, Dick, I don't think, you know, maybe you'll get 100 people. I said, well, book me for two nights. And he goes, you know, D, I love you, man, but I don't think you're going to, you know, it's history movie. Who's coming? And the first night we sold out the place, 525 people, and we had to turn home about 50 people, tell them to come back the next night. The next night we sold it out again, had to turn back about 100 people. And then the following Wednesday we had another show and we had about 450 people there. People really are fascinated about their history. And if you present it to them in an interesting way, I had a fellow, a farmer who came on Saturday, second night, and he said, uh, DeAngelis? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I don't know you. I didn't know about this place. But I came last night. and Tonight I came back with my whole family. And I got to tell you, that meant a lot to me because I'm a family guy. And when a guy comes back with his family, he means he checked it out. And he goes, I didn't know anything about that. And so we not only do all that what used to be here, whether there were dinosaurs here, we talked to um, artifact hunters, et cetera. You know, we all, we, not just scientists, but people who are in the, you know, who know the, the land like the back of their hand, right? And, uh, and then we went all the way up to the, the latest tribe that was here before the white guys got here, you know, and before the uh, European Americans are here. And that's the Meskwaki tribe, mostly Sac and Fox, and the Iowa tribe. And I talked to the, both the top people there, the tribal historians for each tribe, and we interviewed them at length. And then we, we, we went into that. What were their languages like? How did they sound? What, what languages were people talking? You know, I'm just watching people walk down my street right now. My friend. Well, they're talking English, but they didn't always talk English when people walked down these roads and walked down these paths. You know, and I want to know what language they did speak. That's kind of interesting to me, you know. They didn't look like we look now. Not that anybody looks like I look, because I'm a big guy. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Um, I want to know what people look like. What, what, you know, who was here before we were here? And what, what did they do? How did they act towards each other? You know, what happened here? Because to me, that's the, 
in the old days, you'd live on the land that your grandpa and your great-grandpa and so on lived on. Not too many people do that anymore. Some people, but not as many. Not anywhere near as many. So you don't learn about the land like you used to from your grandpa and your great-grandpa. And what happens is you kind of lose that kind of memory, if you will, of the land and your connection to it. And all these scientists and all these people in the state are, well, why do we lose our kids? And they go off to the city. Well, one of the reasons is they don't feel a connection here anymore. They're connected to the whole world through the Internet, but they don't connect to their old own hometown and their home area like they used to. They don't know about the creek that was here and how it was straightened and and what happened when it was. And the people used to go fishing here and, and so on. They don't know about trees that exist here that are hundreds of years old and where they still are and how, and you know, what does that mean for the area? They don't know about uh, a bird that used to be in this area 250 years ago. I know this sounds crazy because I was never into the birds, but I found out there was a bird here, the um, uh, um, Carolina um, uh, parakeet, okay? And you might say, what do you mean, parakeet? It was multicolored and about as bright as any parakeet you can imagine, right? Yellow and orange and all this. And it existed in, in huge amounts. There's stories that, that, that are still written by Europeans that were here where they say the sky was filled with these multicolored birds going over southeast Iowa. That happened to be that story that came from near Kiyosakwa. We're talking Next. with uh, Dick DeAngelis, a filmmaker, historian, a lover of the city of Fairfield and southeast Iowa's history. Uh, so uh, the, what was the name of the first movie? Beautiful. I'm sorry. Life Before Fairfield was the first movie. Then after that, we did Heroes of Fairfield, told some amazing heroic stories, everything from from people you wouldn't know to, to, to people who were local, who were... Uh, um, soldiers in World War II and in Korea and and even more recently. And I wanted to hear their stories. I wanted them to tell us like like it is what their experience was. It was really powerful stuff. And then the last half of that movie was all about the Underground Railroad and the, and the unknown stories that we uncovered and received accommodations from the State Historical Society for our research. The third film that we did is called The Place to Grow, and that was all about the evolution of farming in, in, in and around Fairfield. And, uh, of course, most of that is from, you know, all about southeast Iowa, and it goes all the way to the present. It starts with Native American seed keepers, women who kept the seeds from the crop from year to year to year for generations. You know, corn, as many of you might know, came from Mexico and started out only about an inch or an inch and a half long and grew into the corn that we know today from people very close to the corn we know today, from people who, who preserved the best corn each year for their tribe to continue to live. And it got better and better and, and, and fed more people, etc. I think that's interesting stuff. And those, that, those early agriculturalists 
all the way to what's happening today, including interviews with people who are in their 90s who are telling you what it was like to farm when there was no electricity and no tractors and they used horses. I think that's fascinating. And I don't believe those stories are going to be around 10 years from now. Yeah. So we want to we want to make sure to capture them when when we can and and put them in an interesting way. And I, I can't tell you the young people have come up to me and go, I can't believe that they live like that. And when they had a bad year, there was no government program to back them up or, or bail them out. They had a bad year. Sometimes they, they went out of business and sometimes even worse. So we went all the way through the 1980s and the ter- terrible farm economy then and even to the present and all the way into GMOs and uh, organic and all this uh, sustainable, everything. I want to, I don't take a side to anything when I do this history work. I just like to tell the whole story and then people learn all kinds of things. Oh, I didn't know people were doing that. Oh, I didn't know. People. And that's really fascinating. People get to know their own area, even in the present where a lot of people are so busy, you don't, you don't think about it. And that one I'm working on now that's just finishing being edited is called ahead of their time. It's people who lived in the 1800s. Well, even before that, but people who lived in the 1800s mostly who were just thinking way ahead of the times that they lived. And we actually uh, take those things out. Well, I do some fun things too, just just for Steve, for example. I did a, I met the guy who knows the most about Iowa baseball and found out about the first baseball team in Fairfield and this surrounding area. And uh, it's just fabulous. It's only a four and a half minute segment, but it's one of my favorite segments in the film. Each of the films are in little segments so that if you're like me, you have a short attention span. Well, that kind of little interesting story. And then you go to the next story and the next story. And they're all kind of connected. And the the hour that the films are up, that goes by pretty quick for most people. They find it really interesting. And there's nothing like spending an hour learning about your own area that you've gone through a whole bunch of times or or right next to the town where you lived or grew up. Fascinating stuff. The next film we're working on now, I'm meeting with a group this weekend, about 10 people who are are alumni or teachers at Parsons College. We'll do a whole film about the 97, 98-year-old history of Parsons College. And that's just going to be fabulous. People are going to learn a lot. You know, Parsons went down uh, when it went went under. It was a it was huge national news because they had tried to expand and then it ended up kind of going under. And then people made fun. I'll call it drop out you this and that. Yeah, they did. Has, uh, has a fascinating history. So. We called it the school of second chances. Yeah, it was the school of second chances. There are a lot of people who who had people had given up on who got a second chance at Parsons and ended up becoming really successful. Well, I, I was there. I mean, I lived right across from Parsons college when, when it went under and, uh, I, the, the, what was the name of the guy they brought in? Ed something. Uh, oh, Roberts. Um, it was one of them, Miller uh, Roberts. Well, the school and, uh, was bankrupt basically. And they, they brought this guy in to run the school yes. as a business guy. And he was, uh, and, and he did sell grades. I mean, but, uh, and they complained about it, but it's like he said, well, before I got here, they called it uh, bankruptcy you, you know? Right, right, and, right. And uh, he turned it around. He would take kids, you know, let's just use the term misunderstood kids, you know, right. that right. didn't quite uh, 
didn't have the grade point average or whatever, you know, but they could come there and for the right amount of donation, they could get a C or even a better one. They could get a B or, but, uh, uh, he took that school from 200 students to 2,200 students in one year. And, you know, they were Sullivan and they had money. Uh, it was a well, going were, thing. But there's some of the, some, that's what we're investigating right now. I've heard 10 different versions of the story of what really happened when they went out. Some people wrote books about it. You know, some people lived right there. They're going to tell you, Hey, I know because I lived there. Well, we actually, sources and then double check and then triple check our sources and we usually get to the bottom like i just met with the banker who put together the deal that forced them out of business you know what i mean so you really get to the people who actually well that was after they the fired deal. that guy then they went right back to the they didn't have no money again you know uh yep. the academics tend to hate that guy but the people in town kind of loved him because he brought not just brought in uh you know, not just brought in money, but he brought in like Louis Armstrong and stuff like that, you know, yeah, and, uh, yeah, Neil Diamond. Fun. And, you know, I mean, he, he made it a fun place to go to school and the, the football right. team was real good. And uh, I think he built that uh, basketball stadium, too, that like yep. to look like yeah, the uh, field house. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was uh, kind of beloved by a lot of people and uh, hated in other Absolutely. circles. But, you uh, know what? It sounds kind of familiar to what's going on now, and that'll be the next film after that. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're we're you know some people love the business, the 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 money that's coming into town, etc. And the, and some people love the people, and some don't. And it's just the way you know what you find is some of this stuff. They all have different names, but it's very similar actually in the way it plays out. The the so, uh, car dealer in town. Loved him because they were the second fastest seller of Jaguars and Corvettes and stuff like that in the whole yeah. nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Amazing guys would story. just walk in and say, I want a green one of those or a silver one of those. And and here's my mom's phone number, you know? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So anyway, we're, we're working really hard on these uh, films, and it takes a long time to do the research. We've got 10 people as part of the – historical um, fact-checking and uh, research researching. We just won award, an award this year from the State Historical Society for the research we did on the agriculture film. And uh, that's just, we take a lot of pride in that because a lot of people can do something like this, put together some facts that they kind of heard of or read about, and then put it out as facts. We don't do that. We we really do an extensive amount of research so that when we do make it entertaining and do all that stuff, we're basing it on the real facts as much as people know right now. I mean, I just got off the phone later earlier this week with the people who who own the books that were part of the Parsons Library that got sold when they went under. And what happened to those books, that whole library of Parsons? Well, I found out by actually talking to the people who put together the deal to take those and bring them down to near, in and around uh, Houston, Texas, you Ooh. know, so it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it, I got to say, I'm lucky as heck. I get to meet people from all over the state. Um, I, I, like I said, we're, we're, we're close friends with the state historian, the state curator, the state um, archeologist. They're, they're friends. I consider them friends of mine, including the two tribes that were here, the, the Iowa and the Meskwaki. And these are people who we've gotten to know 
And it's all about those connections and relationships. That's where you find out the real deal. And they go, you know, I've got some pictures I've never shown anybody about that time. And then you're able to put some of those in your films and pretty exciting. All of our music, by the way, is by local musicians. So we, all of our, our, if we get any artwork that we get done, we do have local art, art, artists do it. So it's really a, an amazing group. We have a, an animator who works with us with certain animations and a sound editor, et cetera. And that, that guy's an award-winning sound editor. He's won several awards. We won eight major film awards from the Iowa Film um, um, Festival the uh, called the, uh, the Iowa Motion Picture Awards. We won eight major awards. One, not just nominated, but we won in each category for our last documentary, A Place to Grow. I'm saying that not because of me. I'm just good at putting people together. We got like a lot of talented people, David, and well, that's what's fun about doing this. We've we, we got about two minutes left. Uh, let's let, let our, our listeners know where they can, where how can they, they access these award-winning uh, films? The best way to do it is to go to www fairfieldhistoryseries.com all the links to each of the films are there if you want to donate to help us produce our films if you're in that mode you can do that through a link right there it says how to donate you can order the dvds or you can go to the links where you can actually go to vimeo and pay the three dollars and, and 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 watch them online so everything's there at fairfieldhistoryseries.com and we sure appreciate it. We just want as many people as possible. If you're a parent, make sure you bring your kids to the site and, and teach them about it. You know, they're right now they're teaching. Some of these uh, films are actually being shown at schools. Teachers are reporting to me. Let me know what the kids are thinking. And uh, they write me with questions and I get, get answers back to them for the kids who want to know more about World War II. For example, we interviewed five people from World War II. Unfortunately, three are gone already, just just three or four years later. So we're really happy that we got a chance to to to, to interview them. So anyway, just to, you know, hopefully you'll learn something about your local area. It's really entertaining and fun. And we have my email address on there. And if somebody sees something, you don't like it or you like it, let us know. We really love the feedback. Well, we've been talking to Dick DeAngelis, filmmaker in Fairfield, Iowa. Dick has uh, kind of found out the same thing that we found out through your process and through this podcast, that people do care about Southeast Iowa and these small towns and, and life in this area, and they want to hear about it. That's why we're growing. That's why you you guys have been so successful. So really, uh, here at Round Guy, the podcast, we salute you for what you've been doing. Thanks for being with us, Dick. That's, thanks, thanks a bunch, round guy. Okay.